I've begun. <laughs> We've begun. We've begun. Hi, Sally. Wait. No, just keep going, keep going. Oh just say hi, hi. Tyla. Hi, Tyla. <laughs> okay. And hey, everybody out there listening, welcome to our podcast. A year ago today. A year ago today. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this random giggle fit that I've suddenly got going on. I think it's just all the excited energy we have going into this episode, so it's yes. fine. Great. Oh, I'm boy. so excited. Sally, mm-hmm. tell me what's the best thing that's happened to you since we last spoke. Not a lot has happened, but uh, I'm drinking chocolate cold brew, and it's really delicious. And it's like making my morning. That seems very nice. That's it. That's mine. What's the best thing that's happened to you? Well, mine is that last night, well, I have this friend, a good friend lately, who's been really facilitating a lot of awarenesses for me. And we've been talking about the difference between when you know something and when you like know something and Mm -hmm. when I say it I like point to my head on the first no so like when you know versus when you Mm -hmm. know and you Mm -hmm. point to your heart last night I just had this like incredible experience where I went from knowing in my head that the law of attraction is about shifting your focus to finally like understanding in my heart that the law of attraction is about shifting your focus and Mm -hmm. I just like freaked out (laughs) when I understood like oh my god I I finally get on like a deep 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 level what that means and love it oh I was freaking out and my mom was just like (laughs) cracking up because I was (laughs) I was like yelling and waving my arms and like (laughs) oh it's so funny when one of those things clicks for you and then you're just like oh okay now I get it that's been happening a lot for you lately. It has been that. happening a lot for me lately. It's so fun. Ah, I'm excited. Anyway, so that was a really big thing that happened. Yay. Also, I had a very nice facial yesterday. <laughs> always good. <laughs> I'm home, and my mom always really, like, takes care of me when I'm home, and I'll get home, and she'll be like, all right, so I have you set up for a massage on Wednesday and a facial on <laughs> Thursday, and I'm just like, oh, my God, Mom, I love you so much. <laughs> so good. <sighs> Magical. Well, we have a we have a hard stop today, so let's get to it. People are learning all the production secrets lately. (laughs) I know. I'm like, let's just talk, just talk like normal people, and not try to pretend like there's any like behind the veil thing happening. (laughs) All right. So today, our guest is someone I'm so 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 excited to have on. She's one of my dearest friends, and her name is Brianna. Hi, Brianna. Hi. Oh, now you just muted yourself. Oh, now I'm here. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I reversed when to mute and unmute somehow. I'm here. You were very quiet during the whole opening. Yeah, I did yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited that you're here to talk to us. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. Oh. I love your podcast. Yay! It's so exciting. Brianna is one of the first people that I told when I had the idea for this podcast. So finally having her on as a guest is like ugh, such a nice feeling. Yay. For months we've been like, okay, when are you going to come on? What are you going to talk about? <laughs> when, when, when can we make this happen? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. exciting. Okay. So Brianna, I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Mm -hmm. and take a really deep breath and get kind of grounded in the energy of what was going on for you a year ago today. And then just share with us in one word how you were feeling. One word, huh? 
I mean, excited. Nervous is also tied into excitement for me always. Ah, oh, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> so a year ago today, Brianna had written her first play and the actual anniversary that we're discussing is that I have a little bit of a lisp right now. <laughs> the actual anniversary that we're discussing is that she was seeing her very first play in a workshop production for the first time. Which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. Ah, so I feel like there's so much, you and I have talked a little bit about this before, and there's there's so much that's tied into this for you. But if you wouldn't mind just setting the scene for us a little bit and sharing a little bit about why this work was so personal and what had brought you to this point of having it workshopped. Sure. Well, I'm... And as you know, Thailand, probably listeners would not know, I'm, um, I'm an actor. I, I had not written before this play. And it was just an idea I had wanted to write for a long time. I had a really close friend that died that killed himself. He was, he was bipolar. As those things, you know, do, it sort of shook up my worldview a lot. And, I felt like I needed to do something to better understand my feelings towards it, to better understand him in some way. And so I originally had tried to write a book, actually, about my sort of different snippets of like almost short story. It wasn't linear. It was just sort of snippets of times that we had together that I was really interested in the delineation between when he was himself and when he was sick. And that's not to say he's not himself when he's sick, but I do feel like there's this chemical imbalance that sort of, it felt like, I don't want to say like a demon because that's not true, but it felt like there's this thing in him. Like he was fighting so hard all the time to not be sick. And when I met him, I was so young that that kind of looking back after I really realized how intense that was for him. And after he died, looking back, I was like, oh, you were fighting so hard to get to just be you because there is this chemical imbalance that works against you all the time. And the times you're manic and the times you're depressive and these things that like, you, it's not a normal, you know, what we experience when we're depressed of, oh, I can't get out of bed because I'm, you know, like I feel like lost in the world. It's like this literal like he couldn't drag his body out of the bed. And I remember saying to him, like, just get up, just get up. And he's like, oh, I wish I could. And he always said it in this way that was like, almost like a little kid that was like so sad that they also mm. couldn't get out of bed. Aww. And yeah, I, I also think he had such a lightness as a result, like the things that made him happy, made him so, were grounding in such a different way for him than I think they are for most people because they kind of kept his sanity in line and like kept him in reality. And I was really fascinated by those things. And I was also fascinated by when he was manic, while it is extremely scary, there was a level of like unbelievable insanity that was at times really compelling and beautiful, even though at other times it tipped into like, you know, obviously very frightening. But I think that's the thing about mental illness is like, it's often like also unbridled like creativity there. And it was, it was just something I wanted to explore. So I had attempted to write a book about it. And I was kind of going, okay, I liked parts of it. Sometimes I felt inspired. Sometimes I didn't. And then I had a dream 
where I saw him on the subway and I said, you know, hey, like I'm, we were talking and I was like, I'm writing a book for you. And he said, well, why are you doing that? <laughs> he looked at me like, <laughs> he looked, I was just so disappointed. I was so excited <laughs> to have this moment that's like, I'm doing this. And he was like, I don't want that book. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so confused. And I was like, okay. And then I woke up and I couldn't keep writing the book at that time because like, I, I was doing it for him and I had this exchange with him that was felt so real that was like, I don't want your book. Oh my God. So then I came up with the idea and I didn't actually put this together. It's going to sound strange. I like randomly, oh, and sorry, this is long winded. I had well, met with. It's a big story. So. Okay. It's a big story. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I should say, it's also his birthday today. <gasps> oh, yeah. No, it's not. It is. So oh that's really cool, gosh. which is why I was so excited when you suggested this day and I was like, that day. <laughs> oh he gave me an option. I was like, so I want that fast. day. <laughs> so then I had seen a, a psychic. I'm going to sound really crazy listening to like my dreams and the psychicism. <laughs> but I went to see a, my friend of mine. Her mother uh, does psychic readings and is wonderful. And when I had told she said to me, oh, you're writing about something heavy. And I said, yes, this is in the session I am. And she said, oh, is it a play? And I said, no, it's a book. And then she kept being like, are you sure it's not a play? <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, it, my reply would be, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she like said that and I was like, I mean, no, it's a book. And so then it was really bizarre because then all of a sudden I was working, I was babysitting one night and this idea floated into my mind and I got super excited about it because it involved mental illness and all these things I care about. But I didn't actually put together how much it would involve um, JR, who's my friend that died. I, I didn't put that together. I didn't like think this will be for him the same way I did for the book. I just thought, oh, this is somebody to explore like mental illness, which I like care a lot about exploring. And then as I wrote it, I felt him just all the time as I wrote it, like in such a deep, clear way that it really suddenly felt like a way for me to spend time with him again. And that was really exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This I is, like, everything. hitting me on so many levels right mm-hmm. now. Good. So you wrote this play, and tell us the thing about the spider. Oh, well, what was very strange about it that I also didn't think about till in hindsight was when I was 22 and I got a psychic reading from the same woman. She'd said to me, you know, like, I was like, And I've always been like, I'm going to be an actor. Like, that's what I want to do. And so she, when she did the reading, she was like, yeah, you'll, you'll be an actor. Like you'll do things. You will maybe be on TV, but your first success will be in writing. Hmm. And at the time I was very annoyed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's like, I have no desire to do that. (laughs) Um, And at 22, you know, if you just graduated college, you're like, I'm going to be a star tomorrow. I don't quite know what you mean. (laughs) When am I going to have time? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. And especially like when it's not like you're currently writing now, I'm like, well, that's doesn't, that doesn't seem quick on the, like, that seems far on the horizon. Like that doesn't (laughs) seem soon enough for my success. Um, So I, I, she said that, and then she said, it'll be something about a spider. And I had remembered that, but like, hadn't really ever thought about it. And actually when I was writing the book, I was like, oh, maybe I should title this like the black widow, like something like, <laughs> to make it successful. And then. <laughs> Cause that dramatic title is going to. Yeah, right. <laughs> it made no sense with like what the book was. And I was like, oh, who knows? 
And then I didn't really think. And then when I was reading the play, I didn't think about it at all. Um, and the play is about this this real life superhero, um, this person that dresses up as a superhero, which actually is a thing that that exists all over the United States. There are these people that dress up like superheroes and believe they're, it's not like they believe they're superheroes that, that are like, they don't believe they're Superman or Spider-Man, but they believe they create their own superhero Mm -hmm. and they try to like give their themselves like a purpose of like either like doing good in society. Mm -hmm. And it's often people that have sort of some mental imbalance. It's very, some reminds me of like Grizzly Man, like these people like believe they have this calling very strongly. And I think there's a lot of like, Obviously, we look at that and we're like, that's insane. But there's also like something like really deep and creative and beautiful and maybe unhonest in a lot of ways, like, Mm -hmm. and sort of magic that can occur in those situations. And so I wrote about this real life superhero. And his name is Vigilante Spider. And I had Mm -hmm. never thought about it. It was just a name I actually stole from a, a real life superhero that exists that I liked the name. And I was like, until I come up with something I like as much, I'm just gonna use that one. And then, like, probably six months after I'd written it, it, like, dawned on me. And I was like, I don't even care if this, you know, becomes my first success, quote, unquote, whatever that means or not. Mm -hmm. I just, the fact that she said that, and then I wrote something that involved that in such a roundabout way. It was, like, bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this is a theme that's been coming up for me so much in my life lately is that the magic happens when you're not trying to make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when you finally stop like trying to write this book for him and just start writing about what interests you mm-hmm. and then something yeah. like that to come through naturally and that whole full circle kind of magical connection. And then you just realize that it happened and how easily it happened. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also, it never happens the way you think. Right. Like, of course, my brain was like, oh, a literal spider. Mm. (laughs) And then I end up writing something totally random. Yeah, I never would have put it together. And also, I mean, it was really interesting because when I was writing the book, it did obviously feel for him. But I didn't ever feel him when I was writing it. Mm -hmm. It just felt like from me. And when I wrote the play, partially because there's dialogue maybe, I'm not quite sure, I felt I could like feel, I could feel him be such a part of it. And, and it brought up so much of like the spider thing and like feeling him and that stuff. Like I, I have a lot of trouble explaining that to people because I, I know it's like, it's like we were saying, Tyler, where you know it in your brain or you know it in your heart and things that we know in our heart aren't perceived the same way by people, like the things that are like rational or logical. So when I was writing it and I would say to my boyfriend, you know, I'd be like, JR's here. Mm-hmm. And he would look at me like I was insane. <laughs> and he would be like, you know, should we set a place for him at dinner tonight? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> You're like, yeah, we probably should, actually. <laughs> and I was like, no, I just know he's here. And I, like, really knew it, you know, and I couldn't explain it. And I know people would think it's crazy. And if I heard somebody say it, I uh, definitely have a side of me that would be like, okay. But the, it brought up, and even, like, the spider reference, like, that could be, pure, you know, if you look at it a certain way, that's purely coincidental. But these are things, that, like, in my gut – I was like, I knew it from like such a visceral place, like these connections and these mm-hmm. feelings. And that's really cool. Well, that's the place to create from. And I think that when people, I mean, myself included, when you start to get too caught up in like, well, I have to write a thing or I have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're approaching it from this space of 
yeah, of like logic or like, well, this has to be good and this is how I'm going to make it good. It's hardly ever good. <laughs> right, 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 right. Never. It's just yeah. like crap. <laughs> yeah. So interesting to me because I've actually really been feeling called to write something. Mm-hmm. And it's also about a close friend of mine who died, which is just another really interesting coincidence. Mm-hmm. That happened on our last episode, yeah, too, it did. where something was so directly related to something Sally was going through. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, this is really, this is not um, planned, listeners. We did yeah, not, not <laughs> um, But what I'm realizing now is that I have spent some time thinking about, like, oh, well, what would be the hook? Or, like, how would this, how would I sell this if it were going to mm-hmm. be something? And meanwhile, I've written, what, like, one thing <laughs> for the, like, one page. And, mm-hmm. um... It's so incredible to be having this conversation because I'm starting to realize on a deeper level that I just need to explore what's there for me Mm -hmm. and use it as an opportunity to spend time with her. And Mm -hmm. then if it's supposed to be something great and if it's not great, but that I actually have no control over that part. And again, that's something that like I know in my head, Mm -hmm. but to really know that in your heart is a different Well, Mm -hmm. and I think that part of it, too, that's really coming to me powerfully right now is allowing things to start off one way and then become something else. So like Mm. whether it's starting as a book and turning into a play or starting as a book and turning into something else, whatever it might be, I think that when you're approaching it from this very logical headspace, it doesn't allow that to shift very easily. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, I am writing a book, period. That's it. End of conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you just kind of let it breathe through you and come through you, maybe it's, I don't know, like a series of poems and it's just like five poems and that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, So. Well, it's funny because I feel like we all want to have control of our own growth, Mm -hmm. but that's not the case. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like that with everything. We're like, we want to stay in this relationship, but even though it stunts me, or I want like the things that are safe, you know, that we like argue ourselves on, yeah. um, that we don't really have a choice in, you know, yeah. in, in the way that like our energy moves and in the way of like what's in our highest and best. And in the way that like, it's, it's like our ego has that argument all the mm-hmm. time. And it's like, but, but I've done the work on this book, but I've like, done it, but I, you know, whatever yeah. that is. It's so, it's a hard thing. I think it's like the biggest loss of admitting like loss of control in a beautiful way. But Mm -hmm. there's so much in our brain that, that is afraid of that. Well, and it's not until you relinquish that control that you make the room, I think, for true inspiration to come in. Mm -hmm. And also that when you're able to let go of control, that the universe conspires for the end for result to be more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. It's yeah. just like what we what we think things are going to be is always going to be informed by our own self-imposed limitations. Yeah. Mm, this... And when you can like let go of control, it's like all the limitations disappear for what mm-hmm. something can turn into. Yeah, you're letting go of your mind in the other way too. Oh, Which I just is got like... full body chills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like freaking out over here because this is only kind of a side note, tangentially related, but I've been talking over the last few days with someone about basically like letting go of my business as a business or like what I think that means. And like yesterday I had this whole like vision and like message that came to me around like, well, if you knock down the house and if the business is the house, like it doesn't ruin the foundation. And actually the foundation is bigger than you think it is if you just mm-hmm. knock down the house. 
And so I had like sent that to her and then she emailed me back and I just read it right before coming on here. Mm -hmm. That was basically like, not like let go of your business, but exactly what we're talking about, about like letting it become something other than you think it's supposed to be and just like explore that and see where that goes. And so now I'm just like freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation's like this is the most I'm like what is happening <laughs> that's so cool okay so Brianna yeah it's a big deal to have there's many steps between writing something <laughs> totally and having something that you have written be in front of other people and being workshopped by other people and what how did you get from one or how were you carried um, one thing to the to the other huge thing, and what was that like for you? Well, you know, I I just wanted when I had written the first draft or two, I think maybe the first one, I was like, okay, I need some sort of way, so I need to see this in some form to be able to kind of now have it evolve um, out of my brain, just sitting on the sofa. So I had some friends over for a reading and that was helpful. And I did some rewrites after that. And then I did a reading at the flea and that was really helpful because it had a bigger audience. The flea is a downtown theater and that was really helpful. And then I just thought, okay, now in order to get like a bigger workshop where I could potentially like get more feedback and start to like understand what it means to be a playwright and like all these sort of different things and get and get and even with my friends and the actors at the flea like there was still like limit I picture the male for example to be like a 35 year old and it's at the flea you use their company and no one's 35 in you know my friend group it's hard to find a 35 male to read it so I was just like eager to kind of get it out in the world to be able to use uh the world at my disposal of like hashing out what works and what doesn't. So I started to apply to things that involved development stuff. And I applied to this competition in Dallas because the runners up got readings. And I thought, oh, great. If I'm in like the top six, I'll get a reading. Maybe I'll go out and see it. Either way, it's something to put on my resume that can help me to get other things because I have noth- nothing on my resume whatsoever. I was never a writer. And it's always, you know, art's a tricky thing in general. If you, it's like catch-22. You need the thing to get the thing. You have mm-hmm. to have the things to get the – you know, it's always mm-hmm. that way with all that's art. That's the most frustrating dynamic. Of- yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's just, you know, that's the way it goes. So I was like, okay, I'll just – I knew I wouldn't get something, you know, that every playwright and their mother applies to in New York – so I <laughs> I was sort of just trying to feel out how I could develop it further and get sort of things under my belt. And I saw this theater and I applied for it and never thought about it actually after applying for it. And then like one night at 11 p.m. I get this email that's like, congratulations, you're the winner. We want to do your play. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, couldn't remember what the competition was. I also... I also didn't feel ready to do the play. I didn't expect to win. And the winner, they do the play and everybody else gets readings, the runners up. So I didn't feel like ready to premiere it because sort of once you premiere it, it's a little bit more locked in. You can only have one premiere. And it was so personal to me that I really knew I wanted to be an active part of that premiere. So having it be far away from New York and where I could, and I wouldn't be you know, able to have a ton of say in the room 
or do a bunch of rewrites based on what was happening. I just didn't feel like that's the way I wanted to premiere it yet. I felt like it was still in, a, in the beginning stages of it. And it was my only play. So like, it was like a little bit of like my baby at that time. It was like mm. a very territorial feeling. So, <laughs> so I said like, thank you. Of course, like they wanted to pay me. They wanted to fly me out there for the show. So sweet. So great. Really the most like flattering, wonderful, like encouraging email. And I was like, thank you so much. I'm, I'm not ready to premiere this. And I think like maybe I just took a really long shot and was like, if, if you are willing to do a workshop and not have it be the premiere, I would do it. But I also understand this is a contest. I understand this is what the winner gets. I understand you pay money. I understand that would mean forsaking money. And I also understand, like, I shouldn't get the money if I'm not going to give you what you're wanting from it. Mm-hmm. And also, you announce the winner and that's going to be like, that's what you give them. So that's going to be confusing. So I said, you know, <laughs> I understand that there's more, I, that you probably can't use me as your winner, but this is sort of where I'm at. And they wrote back and they were like, okay. And we did like a little bit of negotiation of like how, you know, what, what they would want in return for that, which is just basically acknowledgement of some kind that they were people like, and in, in if it were to get published, um, that they did do a workshop and we reached that agreement. And then I felt much more safe because I, I knew I, you know, I wasn't going to get to be a part of the process. I was just going to see what they did with it, which was extremely informative for me and a wonderful gift. But also I would love another, you know, process down the line where I, I get to be in the process. This is so incredible. Like to be able to stand in your truth and in your power to say Mm -hmm. like, Oh, thank you so much. But that is not exactly the thing that I want. Mm -hmm. And here's what I do want. And I understand like here are where my boundaries are around this. And I understand that that means that you can't work with me. Yeah. And it's so nice how often that gets worked out when you do that. Yeah. And I, but I think it's so funny because I think that we often in our heads are like, oh my God, they're never going to go for this. Oh, totally. Um, And it's so, it's like everything you're saying. I have so many examples. The other day I had a a conversation with someone and um, was really nervous to like present my desire to her for how we would maybe work together. And she was like, Oh my God, that's an incredible idea. You know, I've never even thought about doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy. And, but the hard part was like grounding enough in my own truth and knowing in order to verbalize my desire out in the world. And then for her to be like, Oh, perfect. Yeah. I think that yeah. people don't do that enough. <laughs> and I well, or me, I don't do that enough. <laughs> <laughs> and by people, maybe I mean- other people. <laughs> Okay, so you flew out there. I did. To see I, the workshop. What was that like? I was very scared. Because um, mm. uh, I knew nothing. You know, nothing. I hadn't seen the cast. I mean, I hadn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know who they were. I'd never met the director. I, I was mostly just, you know, consulted on how I wanted my bio, how I wanted, uh, I was on their website. I would see pictures on their social media of rehearsals. It was also really weird to like see people talk about your, your play Hmm. 
and have nothing to do with it. You know? <laughs> they would be like, in tech. And I'd be like, that's mine. <laughs> but you're like, I don't like that lighting you're using. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I, you know, like having them be like, advertising for it and knowing people are getting this advertisement for your plane. You've no idea what the plate is like looking like, but it's yours. It was really confusing for me. Wow. Um, and intense an exercise in like trust. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and I'm obviously like not maybe the most trusting, hence me being like, we're going to do a <laughs> workshop. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I want my, you know, I love to, I love to be a part of, I have no interest, I think yet as being a writer and a lot of people eventually like you know i know as an actor having the writer not there can be a great gift like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a gift to have them there and it's super helpful and at a certain point you're like we need you out of the room Mm -hmm. because they do have these ideas for how it it never is how you pictured it on the page it never will be there's no way for it to be it's a living breathing thing that involves so many factors and i think that can be hard for playwrights it's exactly what we were talking about before like you have your idea of what something's going to be Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like sometimes you just need to get out of the way, get out right. of the room. Well, because there's a set designer and a cast and a director, and there's just so many people that that have nothing to, you know, that you can't be exactly the way the voices sound as you write. You know um, how much I love theater, Brianna, and I feel like just now I just got this insight about how cool it is in theater because it's like there are so many people whose true creative spark gets to contribute and maybe that's why I'm having a huge awareness right now because I love theater so much that might be why it's because you can feel the energy of how many people's creative spark it takes to Mm -hmm. bring something to life Mm -hmm. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> it is. It's amazing. And it's amazing. Like there's was no, it was such a strange, awesome feeling to see these people invest in something I did on my sofa by myself, you know, like something I cared so much about for so long alone. And then to have it like take wings a little bit and like have these other people investing time and energy and promoting it and being proud of it. And, and that was like, And people I don't know, like strangers out in the world. It was so cool and really scary. But it's scary for me because I go to – cool and fear are close in my body for whatever reason. (laughs) I just like get like, oh my gosh, what are they doing out there? Who knows? And I I would send her like – I would send her rewrites and – and I would sit on my sofa. I wanted, you know, I would try to like live in the play on my sofa on my own. I'd be like, do I want this? Do I want that? And I'd send her rewrites. And she very quickly was like, you are done now sending me rewrites. <laughs> you gotta let go. She was like, we need to memorize and you are done. It's like when you like have your kid and then you like send them to kindergarten. And you're like, okay, happy yeah. day. Totally. Don't like, punch like, anybody in the face. Don't, yeah, totally. And, and it, yeah. the teacher is like, the teacher's like all right it's time for you to go home now <laughs> yeah <Leave it> in <laughs> here <laughs> it was scary and then and then it was also scary because i'd written a new draft and that was another thing is when the play that won the competition wasn't the newest draft so mm. i had to send her the other draft and be like this is actually like the updated version she called me and was like i like the other one better can i do mm. the other draft and wow. i was like yes but let me go through and make some like changes and tweaks that, yes, and that I like I that I personally really feel strongly about, and yeah. I did. But it was that was really hard because it was kind of an amalgamation. And I was like, oh, it's not even yet the draft that I personally feel is the most developed, and like, what's that going to look like? And 
So what was it like? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> so how did it feel? I'm like, this is oh my into gosh. the story. <laughs> um, so we, so Brett and I flew down there. Brett's my boyfriend, and we saw. I saw three shows. It was really, it was a mix of everything, you know, internally. It was, of course, you're watching it and you're like, no, no, but I don't want it like that. Like that always happens. But also, it was exhilarating to have a crowd full of audience members like watching your piece of feet, like watching this thing you created up on its feet with a set and they did it like, you know, a great job with the set and like a great, they like just like full force the actors did it differently than I would have like perceived it. And that was in some ways hard for me, but also they were unbelievably like balls to the wall, all in, committed. Like there was nothing backfooted about the way they approached it. And I was so excited to see that. And I also was, it's a really funny script. And that's like, I like when I was writing it, had so much pleasure just like going, I mean, in some ways that's like what needs to be worked on about it. Like I would like go on my like funny tangents through it. And like, I'd be like, this is like, I would like go, it's easy for me to go down rabbit holes of just like my own humor, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) So So it was really, what was nice was like watching it, the audience would laugh the whole time. And I was like, oh, no matter how this show is done, it's just a riot. (laughs) Like I am as funny as I think I am. Yeah. And I was like, and I loved being anonymous. Like I loved that no one in the audience knew I was the playwright. I thought was like an awesome feeling because as an actor, you can't hide ever. And I was like, oh, I can go to the bathroom and hear people talk and they don't know that it's mine. You know, it's so (laughs) cool. What a gift. And everybody was super, so sweet about it. And they, yeah, it was just like watching it was, at times I would watch and I'd feel like I didn't write it was the other weird thing. Like I... And in a not and in a way where like a joke would happen, I'd be like, "That is funny. Like that that's a good joke. Like <laughs> that's a good joke. <laughs> I would like at points really enjoy it in certain ways where I was like, "That is good. Like I don't remember writing it. I don't remember why I wrote it, but I love that because you you know you sort of get in this zone. And then in other moments, of course, I would be like, "Ugh, I hate this moment, and I have to like fix it. I don't know what it's like. It's slow. It feels slow here. You know, you do notice your own feelings in reaction to having to sit through the show itself. Like that really is a good barometer for like, when do I get a little bored? When do I get a little confused? Like anything like that. And then it was hard to sort of delineate that between like what intentions, what what did they get from just reading the script? What did they decide to do with it? Oh, interesting. They went a different way than like I had anticipated somebody going. So that makes me have to either be okay with that or look at the script and say, how do I make this more clear? You know, it really does put a lot in perspective in that regard. It's so cool because I think that a lot of times we're too close to our own stuff to see it clearly. And you got Mm -hmm. such distance in this experience. Uh Totally. Such, yeah. It was really, like, I came closing weekend. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) I wish I could, like, go back in time and be there with you. (laughs) me too and it's funny you really like being an actor like I really felt for the actor like it changes plays change night to night you know Mm -hmm. so I think I was there a Thursday Friday Saturday and they like audience was like you know there with them completely Thursday and Saturday and Friday felt like a little slow and choppy and it made me like realize like it's so scary as an actor that it just like changes so much night to night and that these like 
you know, the, and it's just like such a fragile thing in so many ways and like watching them and just feeling like, oh, I remember being in shows and when the playwright would come, what that would feel like and mm. feeling nervous about like what they think of it and honoring. It's just, I really feel for this art form that I've chosen to do and like <laughs> how difficult it is. And being on the other end, I was like, God, it's nice to have a break from that end. But I also like, I, they go on stage and they're like in it. And I would just like, you also feel like a mom where you're like, I can't do anything. I just watch you and hope that like it goes well. <laughs> like I can't go on stage and I could do, you know, do anything for you. So you just sit in the audience being like, please go well tonight. <laughs> please, please, yeah. Like that loss of control was both empowering and like terrifying. <sighs> what? I like, this is, I mean, applicable to so many different things in one's life. It's mm-hmm. so stunning. And also, uh, whatever I was going to say just disappeared. So never mind. <laughs> I evidently was not supposed to say that. <laughs> so then what, what has happened since then? So it's been a year. And it's been a year. I did some rewrites on it. And... I haven't really submitted it for much this last year. I just really, I had this like sense that like after that, I did feel like I was really close to the performance in the sense that like that, I didn't, I, that became like my, I didn't want that to be my understanding of the play because I needed, you know, it's not like, it's hard to get it out of your head Mm. and you need to get like the voices out of your head a bit to actually do rewrites in a way that serves the script and isn't just like past like serving what you saw, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like not being reactionary. Right. Yeah. So I took a, like a couple months and then I did some rewrites and I haven't yet figured out what like the next step is. I mean, down the line, I really want obviously to produce it in some form or have it produced and be a part of that process. I've, yeah, I've gotten like an offer for some support in that regard, but I'm just sort of like waiting to see, waiting till it feels right, I guess. And I don't feel like it's yet the play that's like ready to be produced, but I don't yet know how to make it become that way. My sort of feeling on it was actually like I needed to like write something else for a bit, like do another play and then come back to it. But I don't know if that's right. Like, you know, I don't know how it'll end up now. I've just like let it be what it is and taken a bit of a break from it. Do you, when you've worked on it since you saw the workshop, do you still feel the presence of JR when you spend time with the work? Yeah. I find rewrites harder in that way. Cause when you're writing, you're in this flow. So you just like, it comes out, you know? So I'd feel him come out like his humor, his everything like come out of me. And then rewrites get like a little more technical where you're like, what makes sense? What serves the story? What does not, what, is clunky like it feels a little more like i have to use my brain which, i have a crazy idea yeah <laughs> it might be the same one i'm having <laughs> oh i hope so oh my gosh that's gonna be fun well, i don't know i just feel really strongly that what could be a fun experiment for you is rather than being in your head mm-hmm. to like look at the part that needs a rewrite and then to spend a little time in conversation with him, like Mm. inside yourself and to Mm -hmm. ask him like, okay, so what needs to happen here? And let that answer come from him. Cause I think you're talking about how you can be in the flow when you're writing. And I think you probably can be in that same flow during rewrites, rewrites. but you have to get to it differently. Yeah. I love that. It's about making him a contributor. Is that what you were going to say? Yes, absolutely. Ah! (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
Oh That's my gosh. so beautiful. So now Sally and I want credits. Yes. Okay. <laughs> great. Great. You got it. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh my! But I do want a free ticket to the premiere. <laughs> You'll have it, Diana. Okay. <laughs> You'll have that ticket. I've been making a lot of requests. Yes, lately. you really have. I'm. I love it. It's really funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! Get I'm all so, the things. I know all the things. I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else is present for you around this that you would like to share with us? Oh gosh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we talked a bit about the, the, when we talked about doing this session, I remember we talked about whether we were sort of, I was sort of in between whether I wanted to do it about this or about uh, tarot. Mm-hmm. Brianna is the most incredible tarot reader. Which, can I get a reading? Of course. <laughs> Every time Tyler talks of about course. one, I was like, I'm like, I want one. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. We're got that. Like, got that squared away. Our, we're going to put in our show notes how to reach Brianna. And if you want a tarot reading, you should reach out to her. Because <laughs> I've had, how many have I had from you? Two? Just two, two. Yeah. Both have been like so magical and changed my life in so many ways, which is why we were considering doing her a year ago today about her getting into tarot. Um, but I have a feeling you're about to tie it all together. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. Um, well, I just remember, you know, just this is going on like the things you know in your mind and know in your heart. Um, but, and we talked about this, but like this, when I did tarot, when I went to a tarot reader for the first time in New York, which was about a year ago, almost. I was sort of in a, you know, a place of like, kind of like confusion. And this really crazy thing happened where when she was reading the cards, she was like, oh, who, who um, is mentally ill? Is it your, your, is there's a man that's mentally ill? And I was like, oh, that's, that's my ex-boyfriend. Oh, and also JR was a friend and an ex-boyfriend. I dated him like for a year when I was 18 to 19. So I'd said, that's my ex-boyfriend. And she said, she was like, oh, what did she say? She said, did he kill himself? Like it was super specific. And I was, and I said, yes. And she said, that's the the thing about suicide is that it's the one thing in life that isn't like part of a natural course. It's like an exercise of will. It like goes against the natural course of our lives. And it's like the one thing that's not supposed to happen. And so your soul lingers longer to heal before moving on and his soul's still here. And he's, and she said, he's here with you when you write it and you feel that and he's healing, you're healing yourself and you're healing himself. He feels like his life was for nothing and you're giving him something. Mm. And it was the most intense thing um, that really changed my life because I feel like I hadn't, put together before I'd had obviously the sense that like JR is here and I would say it and like feel a little crazy and having a stranger say to me, he is there. Everything Mm -hmm. you feel that isn't logical is just as real and is real Mm -hmm. that you, you know, we don't think is like possible in how our brains work was so comforting and and I needed it. And I think that's why it came up for me. You know, I needed somebody to be like, you're not great. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Like what you believe this is for, it is doing 
for both yourself and him. And it's been a way for me to spend time with him. Yeah. Which like is ultimately the thing, you know, that I miss the most all the time. It's such a beautiful testament to, I mean, I think people say quite often that when we heal ourselves, that the work that we're doing is actually much bigger. And I think it can be hard to connect to that sometimes, but it's, this is such a beautiful and kind of concrete, even though it's not totally concrete, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like such a beautiful example of how, when you're focusing on healing yourself and working through the things that don't necessarily feel good, however you choose to do that, that you're actually contributing to the healing of, of the collective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really, um, yeah, it was really life changing for, for me. I don't know. I guess that's, and it was also interesting because like writing the play, I, I had done it for that. I hadn't done it to have it be done. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I was really not cautious of that, but that was part of what drew me to it. Cause like as an actor, there's so much of doing things for something, you know, you're sort of, it's like bread in you, like must throw yourself in a hundred different directions, must be available, must like you, it's really hard to keep your agency in that profession because you're subject to so many factors and so many things and you don't really get to pick and choose what your jobs you get. And so I was really conscious of doing something that was sort of like what also drew me to it was like doing something that was like healing me artistically, healing me internally, healing me with him, where it was like, what, what are the story? What is the story I wanted? Like, what do I want to spend time with artistically right now? Mm. And mental illness has always been, even before JR, like a big thing for me. And it's been really interesting because I, for a while I didn't tell anybody it had anything to do with him. And I really felt like, I don't know, there was a little bit with the beginning and I don't know what this was about of not shame, but like, I don't, it's so funny. Like when somebody dies, you, I didn't know how, like, there's almost this like fear of like, well, how am I allowed to grieve? Which sounds so silly. You're allowed to grieve in whatever way you want. But I, for example, like I remember running into a friend of, of his, a couple of years ago at a store and the show hadn't gotten done yet, but I'd been writing it and we brought up JR somehow because that's our, what we have in common. And I said, you know, I'm writing something about mental illness and about him. And I felt suddenly like I'd crossed a boundary. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a, like that maybe that like writing about mental illness was like crossing a boundary. I didn't know. Like it was so weird, but I suddenly felt like, how do I do that? Like, where does, where does this fit in? I'm still sort of figuring out, like, how do I do this for myself? There's like some fear probably in me of when it gets done or if it gets done, like sharing that, having anybody like close to him judge it, which is so weird. You know, it brings up a lot of like fear of like judgment of how I've chosen to, to grieve with it. What's coming through so strongly for me right now is that it's all about your intention. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that when someone sees a work that they feel the intention behind it, even if they don't necessarily agree mm. with the way you've chosen to represent something. Mm. And I do think that your intention around this feels so pure that, I mean, 
I haven't seen the work, obviously, and I didn't know him, but I do have a strong sense that anyone who knows him will feel reverence for of what you because of what you've done, even mm-hmm. if they don't totally resonate with the work itself. Mm, I love that. And like on a lighter note, this is so off topic, but for some reason it's coming <laughs> to me. He had, when we broke up, we had a, we had a very tumultuous, not a tumultuous, we were friends for, uh, probably, you know, eight, eight years before he died, but we dated for the first, you know, year of that, maybe seven years. And so when, when we'd broken up, he had his like first manic period, like really manic period. And during that period, he was acting like obviously insane. And he was so mad at me. There was so much anger that came up. And he wrote this like really long book about how terrible I am. And it was like long. (laughs) It was like crazy manic rant. You know, it was really funny. And like, but like really like mean. And it was all, it was all about, I think like, it wasn't supposed to be totally about me. It was about like, women and like what like women are like something some like bigger topic of like the kind of women you should steer clear of something like that and it was like (laughs) all about like me and the way yeah and like the way I operate and how and then he's also so weird because he sent it to me to read (laughs) which is like the dichotomy of our relationship sent it to me and was like and then I like, call, and I was like 19. I call him, I come crying. I'm like, why have you sent this book to me? It's so mean. Why would you do it? And he was like, so um, remorseful. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to upset you. And I think it's like a switch flip. Like he was always flipping these switches. You know, he's like different people all the time. So he's like, so I'm so sorry. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, this is mean. So there's something in me that was like, really liked me writing something for him like in a weird way i was like well he wrote something for me i write something for you i think mine's a little nicer but like (laughs) it just feels like this part of our dynamic in a way it's so fun to think about the fact that your relationship with him can continue to evolve and that's another thing that i've really been thinking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. Uh, because i have a few dearly departed people in my Mm -hmm. life. And I've really cut off those ties, I think for a long time. And I'm opening more and more to the idea of re-engaging in those relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's such a, yeah, it's such, it's something that I think we, it's something that's always been hard for me about death. You know, I feel like when people die, at least in my family growing up, it was almost like unspoken of like, we're not allowed to like talk about this person. Mm-hmm. Like we're not allowed to even, it almost feels like painful for their name to get met. You know, if waited, I guess waited is the word when you mention their name. So as a result, I mean, even my, when my father, when my father's parents died, like there was no funeral, you know, like there was no grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm such a feeler and like, I like need, I need like so much communication about it. I need so much. I need to feel like I can talk about them all the time if I want. I And I was having a lot of trouble feeling like I could do that. I was having a lot of trouble finding ways to to heal myself. And so it was like really a great, 
a great way for me to get to have, I, I mean, I know for me, like if I were to, you know, when I die, I want people to talk about me. I want them to talk about me all the time. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't want like that to like, not, I would need to not exist suddenly. So I felt really strongly about having as much of a continuation with him in some form. And I needed it. I mean, I felt strongly about it. But I also really like needed it. I, I think like sudden death when somebody's young, there's like nothing more like sh- that shakes you more than that. Also, what a gorgeous illustration you've just given of, like, if you can't find the support that you need outside of yourself, that then the opportunity is to say, okay, well, then how can I, inside of myself, be the support that I need? How can I support mm-hmm. myself in the way that I wish I was receiving support externally? Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, so many amazing life lessons in this call. Yeah. Ah. Mm. Oh. well before i'm conscious that we're coming to the end of our time sally do you have any other pressing questions i have a thing to say but i can't figure out if i'm supposed to say it here or if i'm supposed to message you after but i think i'm gonna message you after oh no say it (laughs) i want to (laughs) know i well because it just feels like it would be big and it would take a lot of time so (laughs) but i can tell you tyla when i send it to her Okay, we're it's gonna have okay. to edit this whole part I'm out. So okay. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want the people to know that we're not telling them everything. <laughs> okay, so Sally, I just asked if you have any pressing questions. So why don't you start by responding to that question, and then we'll be able to edit this out. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yay! This is so great. Well, we're almost done. We're not totally done. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. This was great. Um, So now as you reflect back on a year ago today and seeing that precious, precious thing that you created being out in the world and, you know, outside of you. Mm Mm-hmm. If you could share with us in one word how you feel now about that, what would that word be? I feel really grateful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from where you are right now, if you could go back and speak to yourself a year ago today, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. It feels so recent. Um, enjoy it like soak it in like let yourself let yourself be proud Mm. I love that yeah oh my gosh I love you so much I love you this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) I love you Brianna just so so everybody out there knows I've only known her for what like six months yeah seven months (laughs) well we knew each other before that Right, but not but not in a very intimate, yeah, way. Yeah, and I, it's like I met her, re-met her, and just attached myself to her side. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just so grateful. For I'm so grateful, and guys, thank you so much for having me on. I've been so excited. Okay. I've been really excited to be a guest on this podcast. I think it's just such a special 
wonderful thing that you're offering out to everybody. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Ah, all the feels. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh my. And Sally, it's so nice to meet it you. It is wonderful to meet you. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. We're gonna Two be of my besties now. are now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So we have a little extra time. <laughs> so I have pressured Sally into sharing what she was going to say earlier. And we're going to do that now. So if you stayed with us till the end, for you. <laughs> Bonus. Bonus. Sally, what were you going to say? Okay. So I was getting super powerfully. And this is like weird because this is basically like a channeled reading, but on a podcast. <laughs> We're really um, opening up to our gifts around here. Yeah, we, we are. It's great. Um, there's a lot of what was coming through for me is that there's a lot of like fear and anxiety around this project and having it be done. And when I kind of like was like, oh, that's interesting. Why? And then you address some of that fear. But I think that a bigger part of that fear is like the continuation of your relationship with JR and mm. how like this worry of just finishing this play and having it be totally done and having it be on stage for people to witness does that end our relationship. So I guess I was just getting to like tell you that and name mm. that and see like w how that resonates with you and what you think about that or like what are your feelings, thoughts, whatever. Wait, sorry. Can you say it again? Yes, I can say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I guess if it had to be a question, it mm -hmm. would be what parts of you are afraid that by completing this play, it mm -hmm. would somehow end your relationship with JR? Hmm. That's so interesting. It's something I haven't, I hadn't thought about before. I think I feel like if I were to complete it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like that is really interesting. I guess I don't totally, it doesn't feel like a very present fear for me yet just because there's so many steps of the play in the sense that it hasn't even, you know, I haven't had a process with it, but I already feel like in some ways it's entered a new phase of, of my relationship to him. And that is a little hard, mm -hmm. just even what we talked about with like the rewrites and everything. I feel like even watching it, it just feels like a different honoring of him mm -hmm. than before. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I guess when I think about it, like, of course that must, there must be some fear around that in me, but I don't know yet how to process what that shape that's taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just keep getting that. The more you allow yourself to explore that, then not only it won't just impact the play or your relationship mm. with him, it's going to impact other areas of your life and probably your creative expression because mm. it feels very big and very tied to a lot of things. Um, and just something really powerful for you to move through if you choose, obviously you do not have to do anything. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but that's what I was getting really profoundly earlier. It just goes back to that idea of like removing the limitations you think you have, you know, yeah. like that, 
that idea of like, oh, if I, and I think that this is, I'm so glad that we had time to talk about this a little because I think that that is a fear that a lot of people have operating subconsciously. And it's like, if I allow myself to complete this thing that has meant so much to me, what will that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It is a, it is a hard thing. And like, I haven't yet found the way to like continue the work I feel like I'm in between finding new ways into the work in regards to like him and honoring him and all of it. It just feels like I reached a point and then the, like, again, what we talked about before, like the evolving and the evolution and finding like a way to like grow and change with it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't yet like received what that it means for me. Well, and I think it also goes back to the tower reading you received and just like the knowledge and awareness of, Oh, these people, they stay with you longer. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if there's a part of you that's like, oh, so then that means that at some point he will not be with me. And if that's tied at all mm. to the work, then that's obviously going to affect how the work is coming through you. Right. I already feel more, more distance from him energetically mm-hmm. and not in a way that feels scary. Mm-hmm in a way that just feels different. And I guess now talking in this conversation, it makes me feel like some, you know, healing or some like, some like something served its purpose and there's a new thing happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for you to open up even more into what that new thing is. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh. It's so, it's like, yeah, it's sort of scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, it feels like, I mean, it's hard for me anyway. Like I'm somebody that when I experience, when I experience certain like feelings or things so tangible, like I want it to last forever Mm and to, and I, and to like know that everything is always evolving, that like Mm -hmm. there's going to be like a shift always. And now it's in like a new shift with him and, and how I have that discourse about him with myself and with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like waiting for like the next like wave of like hunger towards like what it is I need to explore. Oh, I can't wait to see this play. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so Brianna, thank you so, yeah. so much for thank coming you. and talking You're to welcome. us today. Ah, been so amazing and where can people find you on the internet if they want to follow all of your updates and then maybe eventually find out how they can see this play um, <laughs> i have a website and it is www.briannaposner.com i also am on facebook um under my name i'm not on twitter and i'm not on instagram Great. Old school. Yeah. Well, I know you have to go, so we'll say goodbye and thank you again. Thank you guys. This was such an honor. Thank you for having me. I loved being on it. Yay. We loved having you. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye, love. Oh, my word. That was so good. (laughs) Sally, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on the internet at Sally Simply on social media and at sallymercedes.com or unmutedexpression.com. Those are all the places. What about you? I'm at tylafowler.com and Tyla Fowler on Instagram and Facebook. 
And you can find everything about our podcast on our gorgeous new website. It's not really quite so new anymore, but it still feels really shiny and new. Um, <laughs> and that's a year ago podcast.com. Mm-hmm. And you can email us about all the things at a year ago podcast at Gmail. Um, Tyler's really excited about all the emails. I know. I know. <laughs> Email us. And if you like our intro outro music, you can follow Zena Hell as Z-Y-N-A-H-E-L on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as I've been plugging on our website, she's also on SoundCloud and you can hear the actual track. That's our intro outro music on SoundCloud. Woot, woot. That's it. Those are all the things. <sighs> the only other thing that we have to say is that we love you so much. We love you. Thanks Thank for, you listening. for listening. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace Bye. out.